Good morning, friends and family. It is a pleasure to be able to come into your homes and share with you a word from the Lord on today. Before we get started, why don't we lift up a word of prayer together? Our Father and our God, it is such a blessing to come before you today and understand, first and foremost, that you are a mighty God. You can do anything but fail. No, God, we come to you that as we come into your word today, that your word will indeed go into us. We pray that your word will not return void, but it shall accomplish everything it's set forth to do. May it be a lamp to our feet and a light unto our path. May your word be the lifter of our heads. May it be the mender of our broken hearts. In these weary times, O oh God, you be our peace. You be our strength and our comfort. For it's in Jesus' name we do pray. Let every heart say amen and amen. We're going to start today in Habakkuk chapter 3, verses 16 through 19. This is the second part in our series of Game Changers. Habakkuk 3, 16 through 19, I'll be reading from the New International Version of the Bible. And it reads, I heard and my heart pounded. My lips quivered at the sound. Decay crept into my bones and my legs trembled. Yet I will wait patiently for the day of calamity to come on the nation invading us. Though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God, my Savior. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to go on to heights for the director of music on my stringed instruments. Here's a question for each of us on today. Have you ever wanted to have a dialogue with God? Not only just to have a conversation, but in this conversation that you really wanted to confront God and ask God why? Have you ever really wanted to ask God the question, why am I going through what I'm dealing with? Why haven't things changed all around me? And not only that, but you simply want to ask God and tell God a piece of your mind. If that's you today, you be honest with yourself. Have you ever been in that place where you really wanted to confront God and, and begin to complain about everything that's happening around you, everything that's surrounding you. If you would be honest today, just, just put it in the page on today. Why don't you place it into the messenger and let us know how you really feel. Now, I know all of us won't be honest today about how we feel. We would probably be lying to ourselves. But if you keep on living, and I've lived long enough in this journey of life to recognize that there are some moments where things are not going the way that I expect them to be happening. And I wanted to have a little talk with Jesus and tell him all about my troubles and begin to ask God the question, why? We want to question God about why things are not going a particular way in our lives. And that's been my journey. That's been my journey where I've been pushed to the limits that made me want to ask God what are you doing? Have you ever been there where you wanted to ask God, what are you doing? Will you consult with me before you allow these things to happen in my life? And that's literally what was happening in this text on, a, on today. Habakkuk records in the word uh, the rise and the advancement 
of the Babylonian people that God would use to judge Judah, who had become a wicked and a vile nation. Matter of fact, he uses him as a prophet to the nation to go back and share this word with the people on account of all that they've been doing, on account of their wickedness, on account of the decisions that they have been made. God shared it with Habakkuk. And he said, I want you to deliver the word to the people that there's coming a moment of judgment in their lives. But when he received the word, he didn't take it too lightly. Matter of fact, he had an issue with God. I know you're saying, well, I'm not getting what you're saying right about now. It's kind of like if you have a favorite team, a sports team that you love and that you cherish and you're cheering them along and then their greatest rival become the team that comes alongside and take them out, sweep them in a series of of finals, whether it's in, in the West or in the East, Eastern Conference of the NBA Finals, it would de definitely cause a, a, a rupture in how you begin to look at things in your life. It's the equivalent of things such as that. So Habakkuk complained to God about how he could use such a wicked nation to be, become the nation that will judge his people, of all people that he would raise up, of all people that he would use to come and judge his own people. Funny thing is he had already prayed to God. He had already prayed to God to do something to deliver the people. If you really love us, if you really care, God, why don't you come and, and wipe certain things out, deal with your people? Why do you allow the wickedness to go on around us? However, when God responded, he was not happy about what God did to deal with his people. Isn't that amazing? Habakkuk 1 and 5 says, look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed for I'm going to do something in your days that you would not believe even if you were told. If we be honest, we ourselves raise the question, why to God? Why my family? Why my marriage? Why my children and why my job, why my health, why did I lose my car, why did I lose my house, why did I lose my pension and my health. Every now and then in life, we become a little bit self-consumed and we look at all these things that we have and we begin to determine why my. And perhaps the problem is, is they're all yours and not God's. Maybe the problem is, you haven't surrendered it all to God. Habakkuk complains to God and it pushes him to a state of depression. God didn't need Habakkuk's approval on how he would judge and deal with the people. He had cried out. He had prayed unto God to do something, but then he wanted to determine and give God a way to be able to judge his people. In fact, he writes about the effects of, of his fear over the impending Babylonian invasion. He said it this way. He said, I hear and my bones tremble. My lips quiver at the sound. Rottenness enters into my bones. He said, my legs tremble beneath me. Yet I will quietly wait for the day of trouble to come upon the people who invade us. Habakkuk's fear of the Babylonians 
were certainly justified. Why is that? As they were described in Habakkuk 1 verses 6 and 7, he said, I'm raising up the Babylonians, get this, that ruthless and impetuous people who sweep across the whole, whole earth to seize dwelling places, not their own. Their face, their feared and dreaded people, they are a law to themselves and promote their own honor. You hear that in the text? It says they are feared and dreaded people. They are ruthless and impetuous people. He was devastated by this news. But what I love about the text is that when it comes around verses 17 and 18, there's a shift that takes place in the story. And I believe that we need to have a shift. I love it when people take a shift, when they take a different direction than the direction that they've been going in. And, 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 and God loves it himself when we're no longer looking internally or looking about around us about what we can get, but we begin to become concerned about what we can give to others. That's a shift. And God is saying there need to be a shift in our attitudes. There need to be a shift in how we perceive. There needs to be a shift in how we look at life. And the reality is this, that the, the true um, test and the true indicator of maturity in the life of a believer is how our attitudes are in the face of adversity. In the face of your adversity, we got to understand that in this life, we will have trouble. Jesus said it this way. He said, in this life, you will have trouble. He said, but be of good cheer for I have overcome the world. And if you be in him and he be in you, you can be an overcomer as well. See, here's the deal. Any of us can shout and get happy and bless the Lord when things are going well, when we got money in the bank, when we when all is going well in our lives and we have money in in our accounts, when when everything is going well, when we're getting promoted on our jobs, when our children are healthy, when our marriage is doing well. But can you yet bless the Lord when things begin to fall apart all around you? How do you respond to adversity? Matter of fact, put that in on, on, on the website. Help us to understand how you think you respond in adversity. Because in this life, you're going to have adversity. In this life, you're going to have an adversary. But we got to understand that we are the advertisement of God. And people are watching. They want to know how will you as a believer respond to adversity? And the way you respond can be a witness to the glory of God. So what I love about this text on today is that we can see how Habakkuk responds in a world and in a time when things aren't going his way, when he's faced with adversity, when he's faced with a troubling time. Look again at verse number 17. It says, though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vine, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, Though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls. In other words, what he is saying here is there's nothing prospering, that things aren't going well for the community, for the nation. He's saying that their bank accounts have become low. He's saying that relationships have become 
become damaged. He's saying that there's no prosperity, that they're working hard, but not seeing any advancement in all the investment that they made. In other words, everything around them has gone wrong. They've lost their crops. They've lost their livestock. They're in a famine and things are in ruin. But verse 18, that's the shift. That's the game changer and you got to know how to shift instead of complaining you got to change your attitude instead of fault finding and finding someone to blame finding something to have a problem with you look to the Lord who is the author and the finisher of your faith are you ready to make a shift are you ready for the game to change you ought to say right now I'm gonna make a shift Come on, just say it to yourself right where you are. I'm getting ready to make a shift. It was a decision that he made in Habakkuk 3.18. He says, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. No, despite what I'm dealing with, despite the loss of crops, despite things aren't going well in my life, he says, yet will I. In other words, he's saying, I made a decision to shift. You're going to have to make a choice to shift. His decision was not based upon his feelings because sometimes our feelings will give you and I the wrong message. You got to praise God despite what you're dealing with. You got to yet praise him no matter what it looks like, no matter what it feels like, even with tears running down your eyes and down your face. You got to make a decision that I will yet trust in the Lord. I'll, I'll make a decision to direct my will to go in a different direction than what it looks like. And when you do so, God will give you an opportunity to, to choose, but you get something in return. That's what I love about our God, that he gives us an opportunity to make a choice. He will never move you. He will never do anything in your life. You have to make a decision to invite him in. But what I love about Isaiah 61 and 3, he says that when we make that choice, he'll appoint to them that mourn in Zion or grieve in Zion or grieve in Fort Wayne or any other place on this planet to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness. You get that today? That he will give you beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, and the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. What did Habakkuk choose? I'm glad you asked today. Number one, he chose, get this, he said, yet will I wait patiently. There it is, it's in the text. It's written right there in verse number 16. He said, I heard and my heart pounded. My lips quivered at the sound, decay crept into my bones, and my legs trembled, yet I will wait patiently. That's what it means today. That's what he's saying today. You got to wait on the Lord. In the Hebrew, the word is called nuach, and it means to rest. It means to remain, to cease, to be quiet, to, to set down, and to withdraw. And I believe God has us in a divine resting place right now. I believe that God has us in a divine reset. Every now and then, you got to take a step back 
and rest from all the hustle and bustle of life. But what I like about it is that the word also means to remain, that although I'm going through trouble and trial, I will remain in the Lord. I will not allow anything to cause me to shift to the left or the right, but I will keep my heart and my mind fixed on Christ Jesus. Then he says to be quiet. We got to find a place of rest to be quiet, to get away from all the noise, to get away from all the chatter. And I pray that we can do this in this time that we can spend, hear this, more time with God. To find a sweet resting place to set down. Because <laughs> sometimes we're going too much, we're doing too much, and we need to settle down. Then another word that means to wait, it means to withdraw. And that's really what the word of the Lord says to us. Let me give you a couple of scriptures that, that proves this word about waiting. Isaiah 26, 20 says, go my people into your rooms and shut the doors behind you. Hide yourselves for a little while. Come on, can you just settle down for a little while to hear from God? You ain't got no place else to go other than to sit here and to hear this word. He says, hide yourselves for a little while while until his wrath has passed by. Mark chapter 1, 35 through 37 says very early in the morning while it was still dark, it says Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place and prayed. And watch this. It says Simon and his companions went to look for him, and when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. He didn't stop. He didn't pause, but he was spending time praying in a solitary pray, place away from the hustle and bustle, away from the crowd in order that he could hear from the father. The Bible says that he came to do his father's business rather than, than waiting. Sometimes we've been spending too much time chasing after too many things. Isaiah 41, 40 and 31 says, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary and they shall walk and not faint. Jeremiah 31, 25 says, I will refresh the weary and satisfy the faint. Here's the last verse for this point. It says, take my yoke up on you and learn from me. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light and it will, you will find rest for your Souls, He said, but you got to learn of me. And we're learning about everything else in our institutions of education. But when have you spent time learning about God and learning his statutes that we may not sin against him? He said, yet will I wait patiently? Number two, he says, yet will I rejoice? Yet will I rejoice? Verse number 18 again, he says, not only will he wait patiently, but he says, I'm going to rejoice in the Lord. And you got to understand what this word means. It means to celebrate. It means to, to get excited. It means to look forward to. Are you looking for what God is about to do in the next season of your life when you move beyond this time of rest? And it means also to give God the praise. Ah, to give God the praise. Here's what it means in in the Hebrew, it means to jump for joy. 
It means to exalt. It means to be joyful, to rejoice, and to triumph. I love those definitions of the word. He's essentially saying here that I'm going to jump for joy as if I've already received the victory. That's good news, everybody. That's good news, my brothers and my sisters. That's good news, my friends, that you can rejoice right now in what will come. That God is saying, you already got the victory. We don't have to wait from the victory. See, we praise God, not for the victory, but from the victory that we already have. He's saying, I'm going to give God an anyhow praise in the midst of everything that's going on around me. He had an attitude to yet praise and, and rejoice in God. And I know you're saying, I'm not going to do all that. Ain't going to be no jumping around for me. But don't trip on Habakkuk because we still do this. We jump and holler when our favorite sports team crosses the scrimmage line when we we jump and holler when when our favorite team has moved into the end zone and scored when our favorite basketball team has shot a, a three-pointer we jump and holler in our houses and in our places of comfort and rest why can't we rejoice in the Lord right now for the victory or from the victory that we already have because really that's what a mature Christian does, they learn how to rejoice despite what's going on. Here it is again, 18b says, not only will I rejoice, he says, but I'll be joyful in God my Savior. Joyful means this in Hebrew, it means to spin around. I'm not going to get up and spin around, but think about that for a moment. It, it, it means to spin around. He said he's choosing to rejoice and he's choosing to spin around. I believe what he was really pointing to is that when you begin to rejoice in the Lord, he will give you enough joy that he'll turn your situation around. Is there anybody here today who's ready for God to have a, a game changer to turn your situation around in your life? Get this. All you got to do is put your trust in the Lord, and I come to tell you that no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Doesn't mean that the weapon won't be formed, but God is saying it shall not prosper. If God be for you, it's more than the world against you. He's getting ready to turn your situation around. How did he have the ability to jump around? How did he have the, the ability to spin around? I'm glad you asked. Verse number 19 explains to us that the sovereign Lord is my strength. That's it right there. He says the sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to go on the heights. Number one, he's saying the reason he's able to jump around in the midst of all the trouble and the trial around him is because he understands that it's God who gives him strength. He have no strength in and of himself, but he's dependent on the Lord. Have you, you ever been in a situation where you tried to figure it out and you tried to work it out and the more you tried to work it out, the more mess you made of it and you just came to a point and said, I'm placing this in the hands of the Lord. 
It's just like making dough and you put yeast in the dough and you begin to, to rub the dough or, or knead the dough with your hands. But in order for the, the bread to rise, you have to allow it to rest. God has us in a place of rest in order that you and I might rise when we're spending time with him. He's saying the Lord is my strength. The Lord is my help. Not only that, but he helps us to understand that the Lord makes him sure-footed. He says that he makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to go on the heights. In other words, what he's saying is that deer have the ability to, to move up rough terrain. No matter how high, no matter how difficult the terrain is, they can navigate safely the greatest heights and the steepest of cliffs. Why? Because their footing is sure. In their hind feet, it allows them to jump and to leap and to go to, to cliffs. And even as rocks are falling beneath their feet, they're able to go to higher heights. And God is saying the same thing through the prophet that he's declaring that his trust in the Lord would strengthen him and the people to navigate the most difficult of circumstances and the most harshest of times. The deer can run from the lowest valley to the highest mountain. Get ready. You're going to be able to walk through this thing. You're going to be able to run through this season. And when God bring you through to the other side, point number three of this, this he says he will make you to soar to higher heights. See what, what the Lord gave Habakkuk, the power to climb to higher heights, to be victorious. In other words, he's saying here, he would empower the prophet and his people to do more than just endure. You will be more than a conqueror through Christ who gives you strength. He's saying that they would not only persevere and survive all that was to come, but they would have the strength to get through it. That's some good news, church. He says they would be cleansed and purified through this trial of judgment, that they would be, they would turn back to the Lord, their loving God who had established them as his own. And even in the midst of their suffering, the people would cry out to the Lord to save and help them. Unlike any other day in, in my life, people are crying out to God with 24-hour prayer lines even. This was the Lord's plan. It was a sure promise from God. And what Habakkuk knew is that God's promises could be trusted. His promises are always yes and amen. Therefore, he did not sink so deep into depression and despair, rather he was filled with anticipation and joy. He would rejoice in and praise the Lord no matter what came his way because he trusted that God could see him through it. He trusted that he was not in this alone. He trusted that he's not the only one who's ever gone through something, that he's not in this by himself, that there are other people who are suffering, there are other people who are around him who is going to deal with this deep depression and he knew that if he could stand for the Lord that others who were looking at him would also be able to stand and when they had done all that they could do they would yet stand 
It's what I love about 2 Corinthians 4, 17. It says, for our light affliction, which is but for a moment. Church, you got to know this is only a season. He said it worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Eternal weight of glory. God is getting ready to throw his weight around for us to bring a cure to this disease. God is getting ready to throw his weight around to give you peace that surpasses all understanding. God is about to throw his weight around for his people. But he's saying, settle down. Settle here. Look to the Lord. This isn't the first time in biblical history that this happened. There's another story that talks about a man who loses everything he has, including all his children, his property, and even his health. And his response was to say, the Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Uh, it's now clear that even COVID-19 is a deadly and serious global pandemic and all necessary precautions should be taken. And we're reminded that still C.S. Lewis's words written 72 years ago it ring with some relevance for us even today. He wrote about the time of the atomic bomb and I'm gonna read some of the words that he penned in his writings and just replace atomic bomb with coronavirus. It says, this is the first point to be made, he said. And the first action to be taken is to pull ourselves together. He said, if we're all going to be destroyed by an atomic bomb, he said, let that bomb, when it comes, find us doing sensible and human things. Let it find us praying. Let it find us playing with our children and reading the word of God. Let it find us chatting with our friends over a drink. Let it find us not huddled together like frightened sheep and thinking about bombs. They may break our bodies, he said, but they need not dominate our minds. Ah, it also reminds me of a story of a young man not too long ago, a young man who was 10 years old and he was abducted out of his front yard. His name was Willie Myrick. Willie Myrick, when he was abducted, he didn't know all that was happening in the situation that he had found himself in. But when a man abducted him, he threw him in his vehicle and he turned to him and said, I don't want you to say anything. Just don't talk. Don't speak. And I guess the young man determined in his heart, well, he told me don't speak, but he didn't say that I couldn't sing. And he began to lift up this song by Hezekiah Walker. And the song is called Every Praise. And the lyrics go something like this. Every praise is to our God. Every word of worship with one accord. It says every praise, every praise is to our God. Sing hallelujah to our God. Glory hallelujah is to our God. Every praise is to our God. Let me say that again. Every praise is to our God. Every word of worship with one accord. Every praise, every praise is to our God. Sing hallelujah to our God. Glory hallelujah is to our God. Every praise is to our 
God. Ah, when the young man began to sing that, all of a sudden the man became irritated and he said, I can't shut him up. So he put him out of his car. And guess what? When we begin to praise God, to give him every praise that is due his name in the midst of trial, in the midst of this just unprecedented situation that we're in today. Guess what? God is going to put the enemy out. <laughs> God, God is, God is going to put out those things in your life that seem to be disturbing you and destroying us. And I want you to understand that there's no devil in hell that God won't put out for his children. Listen, I love that story that he had to put the young man out because of the praise that was in his heart. And God is getting ready to put some things out of your life. He's going to put out depression. He's going to put out this dis-ease in our lives. Why? Because we're going to praise our God. Let me pray for you today. Our Lord and our God, we're so grateful that despite what we're dealing with today, that we can look to you and praise your name. I pray through the midst of all of this that we will yet wait on you to allow you to do your bidding. We pray that you will give us a spirit to yet rejoice in you despite what we're facing. And I, I pray, oh God, that you will give grant us strength, that you will make us stable and sure-footed. And I pray that on the other side of this, that Lord, we will rise up, that the church will rise up, that it will be better than it's ever been because we will return to you and that, oh God, we will know your statutes because we have praised your holy name. Listen, at the end of this, here's what I want you to do next. If you're listening and today you want to respond to this message, you want to respond and follow Jesus, you want to renew your commitment to the Lord, you want to become a member of this church or just offer a prayer request, there's going to be a, a slide on the screen and you can email us and let us know how you're responding to this message if you need prayer. And guess what? If you want to give your life to the Lord today, we will send you a, a new believers packet. We will email that to you to let you know about the decision that you have made because yes, we all fall short of the glory of God and the wages of sin is death, but there's a gift and that gift, the gift of God through Christ Jesus is eternal life. He came that you might have life and have it to the full. God bless you. We pray you have a great week. And not only that, at the end of this message, you can sign on to our prayer line. All you have to do is call 425-436-6373 and use the access code 414483. Again, call 425-436-6373 and use the access code 414483. God bless you and may God keep you.